Hey everyone, I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com and welcome to PNC's Talking Tobacco Live. Uh, got a bunch of stuff to talk about this week, um, but of course, for most of us, the big thing going on currently is getting ready for the holidays and um, and certainly PNC has been doing that. We've got uh, uh, some really great Christmas gift ideas for people. Um, and, and I think, uh, there's plenty to, uh, to look at there. Excuse me. Um, anyway, so we'll, uh, we'll take a look at, uh, some of that and then, uh, we're going to, um, jump into today's topic in a little bit and that's about the the different blend type names um i i don't particularly like in general a lot of the names that are used to describe a category uh, of tobaccos and uh, we'll we'll look at that and and really what makes more sense um, than the way we currently do it. Um, so um, you know it's it's been a really odd week this week here. It's been very dreary. Um, a lot of uh, rain and uh, overcast, um, although the temperatures haven't been bad for uh, early December, you know, in the 50s during the day isn't bad at all, but, but it, it's just been really drab. And, uh, and uh, you know, there people talk about windows at work. We used to because our old office um, didn't have any windows. And uh, the room itself was, the, the color scheme was kind of dark. And, um, and so when we moved into the, uh, the location we're in temporarily now, um, I was initially elated uh, to walk into the room and realize that my desk was right in front of a big window. And for the most part, um, for this year, uh, while we've been there, uh, that's been really kind of nice. Um, as the year went on and the sun started setting earlier, um, it got to be a bit of a pain because the light around 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, sunlight would come directly in the window and right in my eyes. Uh, so I would have to draw the blinds. And, um, you know, that's got me kind of giving second thoughts to uh, having windows um, in the office. It's almost better off 
in some ways not having any um, because then you don't have the distractions of the sunlight or if it's a really dark day during the day, you know, that, that can be a little depressing. So, um, anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still having an internal debate about windows at work. Um, and hi, David, how are you? And, uh, thank you again for coming on last week for a really fun discussion and, uh, allowing us to talk a little bit about uh, what we hope for uh, the Richmond uh, Pipe Show for next year. Uh, so uh, before we launch into the discussion uh, about uh, naming conventions for different categories of pipe tobacco, uh, let's take a good look at what's happening on PNC. And um, this is the first time, I think, in talking about the weekly deals um, that I had to change all of the slides. Um, we've got a whole raft of brand new deals uh, to take a look at. So uh, why don't we go ahead and do that and then we can get on to the business of taking a look at um, at what uh, I wanted to talk about today. And let me eliminate that. And now we're good to go. So here's what's happening on Pipes and Cigars this week. First one is a big one for uh, people who enjoy cigars, or if you know people who enjoy cigars and you're looking for a gift this holiday season, uh, we're taking 25% off select cigars if you use the code ASH25. Uh, and that includes items from brands like Acid, Oliva, Rocky Patel, and more. And um, the 25% off is, is significant because most of the manufacturers have, um, have what they call MAP policies. And um, that MAP stands for Minimum Advertised Price. Uh, so you aren't allowed to run any kind of ads typically that um, exceed their their map uh, policies. Um, and that includes even putting the price on your website. So if a company has a map policy of 20% off, meaning that the lowest acceptable price for selling that product is 20% off manufacturer's suggested retail price. Um, if you even put it on your website below that point, the manufacturer or distributor, if they see it, um, can send you an email 
telling you that you have to change your prices. Otherwise, uh, they could stop selling you product. You know, so I've, I've heard people say, well, gee, you know, that, that sounds like, um, like price control. And it is to some degree. Um, but what they're telling you is you can sell it for below whatever their map policy is, but you would have to put something like a call for pricing uh, on the page to get away with it. Uh, but once you make it public knowledge what your pricing is, if it's below their policy, uh, you're going to wind up um, probably getting some pushback from the manufacturer. So to do something like 25% off when the typical map policy is 20% off um, generally requires that we ask permission from the manufacturers and distributors uh, to run the sale. So that's why you don't see discounts quite that large uh, typically. So um, whether you're looking for five packs or boxes, uh, uh, you can save 25% off a selection of really great cigars. Just use that code ASH25. And um, now... We have Sutliff Kringle Flake Holiday Edition 2022 for $13.76. And the quantities are very limited. And I don't know why that floater is in front of the ad. But anyway, um, this is a unique uh, flake. Um they start with red virginias and they do something that's not totally uncommon but is a bit unusual in that they stove the red virginias now typically when you stove a virginia you use bright virginia and when you stove a bright Virginia, you normally wind up with a black tobacco. And part of that is because of the high sugar content. Uh, red does not have as much sugar because some of it's been converted during the uh, processing. So... Um, what they do is they're just looking to put some color on it, caramelize some of the sugars, and uh, it takes some of that typical Virginia sting away. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the term bite because technically Virginias don't bite. What you normally have a problem with, uh, with a bright Virginia is either 
uh, heat because of the the sugars, um, or a, a somewhat acidic smoke uh, that tends to sting the tongue. So that's the term that I prefer to use, sting, when it comes to Virginians. But anyway, they, they stove the red Virginia so they darken up, and then they mixed it with 19-year-old Perique, vintage Perique. Then they pressed it into a flake. And uh, I've tried it. If you like sweeter uh, Virginia Perique blends, um, this may not be your cup of tea. But if you like Virginia blends that are more complex than, than the average blend, um, I think you'll find this very enjoyable. It's definitely deeper. It's got more body than most Virginia Periques. Um, and, and I think it's a, a really worthwhile smoke. And considering the quantities are limited, you know, you may only get one or two tins. Uh, but that's, that's fine because I don't think for most people, this would be an everyday tobacco to uh, grab a bowl full, you know, once every week or so, um, because it is very different than most. David says he's been smoking it, and it's as good as, as last year's or better. Slightly different in a way that really suits him. Um, very complex and richer and full-bodied, nice, deep, dark fruits in there. So um, there you have an endorsement from one, from one of our own. So take advantage of um, Kringle Flake while it's still around. Uh, and then we have a sale on the John Cotton's double-pressed lineup. Um, they're now only $13.29 each. And that includes uh, the new John Cotton's double-pressed Glasgow. Um, this is a really nice, intriguing, not over-the-top aromatic. Um, uh, I know there's some honey in there based on the flavors that I could pick up. Um, but, um, but, you know, it's not your typical aromatic and, and it's certainly not, uh, a fruity, uh, type of aromatic or it's not overly sweet. Um, so... Uh, you uh, you may very well um, enjoy that if you're an aromatics fan. And there are seven blends to choose from. You, you know, you got Virginia, Burley, Dark Fired, uh, Kentucky, Latakia, and Creme. And the Creme is a mellow vanilla. Um, Glasgow, as I said, has a honey note in it and among other flavors. Um, and it's, uh, it's intriguing because, uh, you'll probably spend half the time you're puffing, uh, trying to figure out what the flavors are in, and in, in that mixture. But 
they are all double pressed. They all start as flakes, then they get rubbed out. They're allowed to breathe, to absorb some oxygen, and then they're pressed again. And this does a great job of mellowing the tobacco, making it easier on the tongue, um, and marrying the flavors even further. Uh, that price of $13.29 is $4 off each tin. So if you've tried any of the blends, including the Virginia, which won the, um, the uh, Chicago Bowl in 2018, um, you, you'll probably really enjoy these tobaccos and you'll enjoy it even more at a reduced price. So grab some while they're on sale. And this is something that, uh, that warms my heart. The Hearth and Home Signature Series 16-ounce bags are 20% off right now. Now, that's good enough because, I mean, these were the first blends I made for PNC. Um, so it's nice to, to see them offered uh, at, a, at a good discount. Uh, but it's the other aspect of this sale that, that really kind of gets to me. And that is um, when you buy a, a 16-ounce bag at 20% off, if you want to spend an extra $10, and that's a very modest amount, um, you can get the Hearth and Home ceramic jar. These are ceramic jars with bale closures and a very hefty silicone gasket. Uh, so it seals up good and tight for moderate term storage. Um, it's a $50 value. You can get it for $10 when you buy a pound of signature. Um, and, and the reason this really kind of hits me is that um, about 18 years ago, when I started putting together the signature series and started um, putting them on the website and um, going on forums and social media to talk about them, um, I never had any concept that Hearth and Home would become a fairly well-recognized brand in the pipe tobacco world, uh, but it has. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit because I, I built the brand from scratch. And um, even that logo uh, is something that I designed when we were first putting it together. So I'm proud of Hearth and Home. And then to see something like this ceramic jar with the logo on it uh, just really kind of uh, puts a smile on my face. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I definitely uh, want to, to have some of those around uh, as a personal memento. Uh, the only thing I have to make sure of is that they don't wind up in the kitchen uh, holding flour or sugar on the, on the counter. But, um, but for 
uh, pipe tobacco. It's a great intermediate uh, container to hold your tobaccos, and it really will keep the uh, the moisture level in good shape. And now we have our PNC Christmas sale. We've identified items that would be nice gift items. Uh, and then we've reduced prices up to 40% off. We put them all in one category. And so you can peruse there for, if, for items for pipe and cigar smokers um, and save yourself a bunch of money. And there's still time to get it in time for Christmas. So take a look if you've got people on your shopping list. Um, and then we have our holiday gift guide. Now this is different than the, the Christmas gift sale because those items have all been reduced, uh, and they, they do fit into the gift category. These are the gifts that we, the staff, uh, take a look at and think, you know what? I'd like to get that. Uh, as a gift for Christmas. And so we put them into a category uh, for you to look at. Um, you know, the, the, some of the items I believe are reduced, but uh, they're, they're not all on sale. Uh, but they, they're cr uh, really great Christmas gift ideas, um, like the PNC shirts and... Uh, and things of that nature. So um, definitely take a look at, um, at the holiday gift guide if you're still uh, doing some last minute gift gathering. And uh, most of them are small enough they'll fit in the stocking too. Um, David said, you have a right to be proud and you've created a great brand with some amazing blends. I appreciate that, David. Um, I did it initially because I I just enjoyed blending. And then when they took off, um, I started doing it more um, to add value um, for our customers uh, on PNC. And uh, it, I've enjoyed it greatly. And... Uh, Yes, I am. I am very proud of Hearth at Home as a brand. Um, this week's tobacco of the week is Captain Black Original, or um, as a lot of people call it, Captain Black Regular. Um, it's it's on sale whether we're talking about pouches or the seven ounce cans. Um, they're on sale this week, uh, considering that that's America's number one packaged tobacco. Uh, there should be a whole bunch of you who are uh, jumping on now or after uh, the Facebook Live uh, so that you can uh, load up your shopping cart and stock up on uh, America's favorite uh, packaged pipe tobacco. And uh, December's monthly deal continues. Uh, Peterson tins 10% off, starting at 9:45, dollars 
and this includes the former Dunhill blends like Early Morning Hype, My Mixture 965, Nightcap, uh, Deluxe Navy Rolls, uh, Standard Mixture, and uh, Elizabethan. So uh, two great opportunities on popular tobaccos uh, to stock up and save. So uh, you'll definitely want to take a peek at those, I think. This week's cigar clipping, solving a blocked draw. If you're not a cigar smoker, um, you may not know what this is in reference to. But every so often, no matter how much you spend for a cigar, you'll get a cigar that has a blocked draw. Meaning that you cut the cap, you, you take a draw on it, and you don't get that nice smooth draw. Um, there's something in the cigar that's blocking. And, um, and it's especially terrible if you find the blockage after you've lit the cigar. Um, most uh, places, you know, they, they don't have a solution to, to block draws. Uh, I do. And, uh, and it, it's a multi-stage thing, uh, depending on what works. Uh, the simplest uh, thing to do to solve a block draw is to identify where the blockage is and then use some pressure to break it up. Interestingly enough, um, most blockages occur somewhere around where the typical cigar band goes, which is, I don't know, about an inch below the cap. Uh, I don't know why it so frequently happens in that area, but that's the most common place for a knot to occur. And, and what do I mean by a knot? When uh, cigars are rolled, uh, they, they have uh, two groups of people doing the job. Uh, you have the rollers, um, and they're the ones that actually put the wrapper on the, uh, the cigar. Um, but before the wrapper, the roller can do their job of putting the wrapper on, you have to have what's referred to as a bunch. So the way that cigars are bunched is the leaves are selected that go into the filler blend and then they are put inside a larger leaf called a binder and then that is rolled up um, and it's put into a mold and then the mold goes into a press it goes there for relatively short period of time. Then they open up the molds, they rotate the cigars 90 degrees, put the mold back together, 
so that you don't wind up with visible seams uh, co coming through the wrapper. Um, and sometimes when the person who creates the bunches, called a bunchero, uh, when they put it together, sometimes before they put the binder around the filler, they'll slightly twist the tobacco. And when you get that twist, it creates a blockage. Uh, so what you can do if you get a cigar with a block draw is go to the area around where the, um, the band would be. And what I like to do is put the cigar on a tabletop or desktop and just take your middle and index fingers and kind of put some pressure on and roll. Now, a lot of people do it by grabbing it between the index and middle finger and the thumb and, and they roll the cigar around in their fingers. I don't like doing that because it puts too much pressure on a small area, um, especially where your thumb goes and you can crack the wrapper. Um, by putting it on a tabletop and using a couple of fingers to roll the cigar back and forth while putting pressure on it, evenly distributes the pressure over a wider area, you're less likely to crack the cigar. I would say about a quarter of the time that will be sufficient to loosen up the block draw. And sometimes it's even a matter of just slightly squeezing the cigar in that area um, and it loosens up the knot. Uh, so what do you do for the other 75% of the time? Do you take a $10 cigar and toss it? Well, maybe. Um, but we, we pipe smokers have a solution that um, most of us carry with us. And uh, I, as soon as I dig mine out of my pocket. Um, and that is your pipe tool. Now, this is one of the fabled Rogers knives. Uh, I've had this thing for over 40 years. And I love it. Um, it's got a small tamper head, which makes it great for smaller chambers. I have some smaller pipes and some tampers with heads so big I can't even put them inside the bowl. So I kind of like these smaller tampers. Plus I can get into areas just to touch up one spot uh, a lot easier with the smaller tamper head. And it has a knife blade with a rounded point uh, for scraping out the chamber, uh, which I also like. But one of the things I like in particular about the Rogers knife is that the pick is pretty long. 
Now, I like having a long pick for a few reasons. When I'm smoking my pipe, I not only can use it to get to the bottom of the bowl to loosen up tobacco if, if I overpacked it or I tamped it too hard, but also if there's anything that gets inside the shank and blocks it. This pick is long enough to get through most shanks. So uh, I can take it and run it in through the shank and put it, push it into the chamber uh, to push out any pieces of tobacco that have gotten up into the airway. Um, but it's also a great tool to have around if you have a cigar with a block draw. The method for using it is very specific and you have to do it this way or you're going to ruin a cigar. Now, David says that uh, his great uncle had an old fashioned fancy hat pin um, that he used as a lapel pin and he would use that uh, to loosen up a block draw. But the slightly larger diameter makes um, the pick from a pipe tool almost ideal for the job. So you've got the cigar cut. You've got a block draw. Hold the cigar in your fist just a little ways below the cap. And you, you want to do that for stability and also, as I previously mentioned, so you don't crack the wrapper. Then you just take your pick and go down the center, but you got to make sure that you go parallel to the perimeter of the cigar. You've got to go down in straight. If you go in on an angle, you'll poke it right through the wrapper and the cigar is not going to smoke well at that point at all. Um, so you go down in and you push and you normally find right about where that, that band would be is where you start feeling pressure and all of a sudden you get a little push, you'll feel it pop. And then you put the cigar in your mouth and the block draws out. Sometimes you may need to go in two or three spots around the top um, to get it. The bigger the ring gauge is, the more likely you are to get a block draw. Um, just because with more filler, there's more opportunities to create a knot. Um, I rarely have had a uh, Corona with a block draw. And normally with a small ring gauge like a Corona, I can use that rolling the cigar method and it will break up the knot. I, I, I almost never have to use the pick on a, uh, on a small ring gauge cigar. But um, those are the, the primary methods for solving a block draw. Okay, so let's move on to my philosophy corner. Why did the chicken cross the road? So it could be poultry in motion. And 
that's it for what uh, what's going on on PNC uh, this week. Um, perfect opportunity to get an order in uh, for Christmas gifts and also to uh, make sure that you have good stuff to enjoy uh, when you're sitting around during the holidays so you can have that... Uh, that uh, eggnog or that uh, and actually i shouldn't say that you can have your hot chocolate you can have your coffee uh or a nice uh, christmas oriented libation uh, but not eggnog and uh, you i don't believe in eggnog accompanying a smoke uh, for a couple of reasons first off the the flavors don't really work with cigar flavors or, or tobacco flavors for the most part. Uh, but the other thing is it's so thick and creamy and has enough fat in it between um, the, you know, whether it's milk or uh, half and half or cream that they use and egg yolks. You have so much fat in in eggnog that it coats your tongue and then you can't taste what you're smoking very well anyway uh david hates eggnog anyway so uh we don't have to worry about that with david but um anyway that's uh you know that that's a good idea stock up and uh, be able to sit at home and enjoy so now we're going to move on to my topic this week. Uh, and and uh, once again, I'm going to share my screen because it's a, um, it's a very different uh, topic. It's easier to do it this way than with uh, banners that you see at the bottom of the screen. Uh, so... Uh, I'm going to bring this up and then um, I can talk about it. Uh, so, here we go. These are generally accepted blend types currently used in normal conversation. English, Balkan, Burley, Virginia, Virginia Perique, Aromatic, Virginia Burley, Virginia Burley Perique. Um, some of these um, don't need to be changed. Some do. And, um, and, and right at the top is one of them, English. Um... Oh, yeah, David says uh, he saw something about um, making eggnog with mayonnaise. Yeah, Hellman's put out a recipe uh, this year for mayonnaise eggnog. I mean, yeah, okay, mayonnaise has oil uh, and eggs, um, but it also has lemon, which I don't know that I would want in my eggnog. And it also has mustard, 
and I don't think I'd care for mustard in my eggnog either. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of gross myself. Anyway, talking about English. English is such a bad terminology to use regarding tobaccos. Now today, when people are talking about an English tobacco, they're typically talking about a Latakia blend uh, without a big oriental influence. So what you taste predominantly is Latakia. And then the secondary note you, you typically get from this kind of blend is the Virginias. The, the sweetness um, and the, the bit of acidity and tartness um, that Virginias have, uh, that's the supporting player. It, it, it supports the Latakia. Um, why don't I like the term English? Uh, it really is, in, in my case, um, more because this is a term that's morphed over the last 30 or 40 years. When I first got into pipe smoking, when people referred to English tobaccos, they weren't even necessarily talking about tobaccos from Great Britain. They were talking about tobaccos that had minimal additives in terms of flavors, um, or anything else because English uh, manufacturers had to work under purity laws. So they could add flavors, but they had to be specific flavors. Um, liquors were acceptable and then certain other flavors were acceptable, but generally not used in large noticeable quantities. Um, the English quote aromatics um, were, were not heavily flavored. Um, and so that's why the term English came to mean tobaccos with minimal added other things other than tobacco. And then as time went on, people started to take it to mean Latakia blends. Um, and so I have a problem with it because the way I learned to use the term English tobacco has nothing to do necessarily with Latakia. So I don't particularly care for that. And then the next term that I have an issue with is Balkan. And this, of course, comes from Balkan Sobrani. Um, Balkan Sobrani was notice, notable for the fact that the Latakia was the dominant flavor, 
but the Orientals were so outstanding that the Orientals were the secondary note. They were the flavors that supported the Latakia and actually supported and mingled with it to the point where it created like a whole new entity. The, the flavor profile went from smoky and almost tarry, uh, which you will get from Latakia. Uh, but when blended with the right Orientals, um, it, it brightens it up and, and it has an incense-like aroma and an incense-like flavor. Um, but to call it a Balkan blend um, really isn't fair because Balkan Sobrani used specific types of Orientals like Yeniji. And, and, uh, and they also use Xanthi, which is an offshoot of Yeniji. Uh, and they use that in some of the blends that they made. Um, to me, if they don't have that, that right quality, uh, I, I wouldn't consider it Balkan because it's not reminiscent of Balkan Sobrani. Um, for example, um, John Cotton's um, the, uh, the Smyrna. John Cotton Smyrna used a tobacco that definitely did not have that brightness. It was deeper and uh, had as a kind of a funky uh, flavor to it, that earthiness. Um, and so if the definition of Balkan is Latakia with a, a strong Oriental secondary note, uh, you certainly can accomplish that with Smyrna but it's not going to taste or smell anything like Walton Sobrani. So that's why I have a problem with that term. Burley, Virginia, Virginia, Perique, aromatic, Virginia, Burley, Virginia, Burley, Perique. They're all fine. They're all fine. Um, but I would rather see things change around um, to make it easier for the consumer. It's not for me. I don't care. I don't care what you call it. You put it in a pipe, you light it up, you either like it or you don't like it. End of story. Um, you know, I, as a rule, I don't smoke aromatics, but there are aromatics that I like. So, you know, I, I again, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me what label you put on it. Um, if you like the flavor, you like the aroma, it doesn't scorch your tongue, um, then, you know, to me, I don't care what you call it. Uh, call it Frank if you want to. But um, as long as it smokes nicely, that's all that matters to me. Um, Thomas says uh, he thought England was the land of pipe smokers. Then he visited England and discovered that they have practically outlawed it. Um, well, back in the day, Thomas, it, it, certainly, it certainly was true that it was the land of pipe smokers. 
Um, but, you know, you could pretty much say the same thing about the U.S. If you go back to World War II and before, um, there were probably more pipe smokers than there were cigarette smokers and definitely more than cigar smokers. Um, although as you got closer to the, the 50s, um, cigars kind of increased a bit, mainly because um, they had more affordable machine-made cigars uh, available widely. And, and so for that reason, um, you know, but, but in the years prior to World War II, um, pipes became, uh, were the, the most popular uh, form of, of smoking. It changed during World War II because carrying and packing and lighting up a pipe um, while you're in the trenches uh, just was not very easy. Um, but cigarettes were. You could just pull one out of a pack, light it up, and when you were done, you got rid of the butt, and, and that was it. You, no fussing around, no packing, which to me is part of the enjoyment of smoking a pipe. But under those circumstances, a pipe didn't make a lot of sense. So more pipe smokers who went over to World War II uh, wound up uh, becoming cigarette smokers. That also had to do with the fact that along with... Um, you, their daily uh, rations, uh, cigarette manufacturers uh, were donating cigarettes to the government uh, to send over uh, for, uh, for the soldiers to be able to enjoy. And, uh, and so by the time they came back, there were more cigarette smokers and pipe smokers. And Davis says France was a piper's haven as well. Uh, yes, and that when you when you take a look at uh, you know Chacon um, and uh, Butch Chopin and uh, other companies, uh, there were a number of uh, great uh, French pipe manufacturers. Um, so. You know, that's, anyway, we've gotten kind of got off topic a little bit. But these are the generally accepted uh, blend type names that we use. Uh, and here's where I'd like to see it go. The suggested new naming convention begins with dominant tobacco in um, in terms of the flavor. And then the next thing would be the secondary tobacco. And then the third thing would be to add tobaccos that have a significant impact on the flavor and other modifiers such as aromatic. So 
let's um, let's use Virginia Creek as an example. There's a really good example of a term that works really well uh, with this new naming convention. It begins with the dominant tobacco. Virginia is going to dominate the flavor unless the Perique um, is in a large quantity, in which case you may want to call that blend a Perique Virginia blend. Um, but typically we call them Virginia Perique. So the secondary tobacco is Perique. And then add tobaccos that have a significant impact on the flavor. So for example, my fire snorm is a Virginia Perique blend, but it has enough dark fired Kentucky that it, it makes a difference in the flavor of that blend. So we would probably call under this convention, call that a Virginia Perique Kentucky. Um, if we took Firestorm and then we added a top dressing to it to give it a more pleasant aroma, you could call that a Virginia Perique Kentucky aromatic. Um, yeah, it's a lot longer. And yes, we have, we have fallen in love with abbreviations. Um, you know, we, we use shorthand for everything. Um, uh, you have, you know, all kinds of abbreviations used for texts like LOL and LMAO and, and things like that because it, it's quicker and easier. But if you're going to be accurate, you know, this is the direction that I think um, would make more sense. Now, maybe we'd only use it on the website as a descriptor so that, that people know precisely uh, what they're getting with that particular blend. Uh, so let's, let's take a look here at examples of new names. What we currently call in English would be referred to as Latakia, Virginia. What we currently call Balkan would be Latakia Oriental. And then things like Virginia, Virginia Perique, Burley Aromatic, Black Cavendish Aromatic, Virginia Burley, Virginia Burley Perique. These do a better job of telling the potential customer what's in the tobacco so they know what to expect so they'll have an idea of whether they may like it or not because the descriptor is telling you right up front what's in the blend and i i think it makes more sense are we going to get people to change the way they talk about tobaccos this way. 
maybe some, probably not many, um, just because it is in, easier to say English blend than to say Latakia Virginia blend. Um, I use this terminology today. I, I When I'm talking to someone else, I almost never use the term English or Balkan. I, I tend to... Um, to use this naming convention uh, because I want to be accurate. I want to I want people to more clearly understand what I'm talking about because you can have um, two different blends that technically would be considered English blends uh, by the modern usage but they taste very different. And um, for example, you use Latakia Oriental for a Balkan style, Latakia Virginia for an English, but suppose the Virginias and the Orientals are, are reasonably well balanced, then you might want to refer to it as Latakia Virginia Oriental. Um, again, it paints a clearer picture uh, for people when they're trying to decide whether they want to try a tobacco or not. Other than that, the names don't mean squat. You know, when you're sitting around talking um, to another pipe smoker, you don't need to use a label for a blend um, if you're talking about it because you probably have some with you and you just hand the pouch or the tin over to the other person and they can smell it and get a pretty good idea of what's in the tobacco. So um, I would prefer to see uh, things go in this direction. Um, David says he likes American blends, so they would be Latakia, Virginia, Burley, that's what's today called, that's called an American English. Uh, whenever you have an English blend that contains Burley, it becomes an American English. Uh, and then if you add any kind of a top note, it's, um, it, it's a, an aromatic English. Um, and this is where these terms really become muddy because if a Latakia blend that has a top note on it is an, an aromatic English, then what about Bengal Slices, the shirt that I'm wearing today? Um, it is a Latakia blend, and it does have an aromatic top note, um, but it's not in English by today's definition. Uh, it's really a Balkan, because Orientals are the secondary note, so now do we have to call that an aromatic Balkan? Or would it just be easier to say a Latakia Oriental uh, 
aromatic. And, and that's not fair either because the top note in Balkan or in uh, Bengal slices um, is really there to add another layer of interest in the flavor. It's not there so much for the aroma because people who don't like Latakia aren't going to like the smell of Bengal slices, um, even though it has an aromatic quality to it. So uh, anyway, you can see how confusing this can be. Um, but that's um, just my idea on the, uh, the, the concepts of naming uh, categories of tobaccos and, uh, and who knows, maybe we'll see uh, a change uh, in that going forward uh, so that, that people have a more uh, clear idea of what's in the tobaccos uh, that they're smoking. Um, we have uh, had uh, a lot of uh, interesting things going on in the background. Uh, a lot of new products that we're looking at for next year that you won't see uh, right away. Um, and so I'm, I'm not going to talk about them in any depth at this point. Um, one that I will mention, though, because they're not far away. And uh, that is that um, those of you who um, are familiar with the Viking pipes and have been for a long time, let me, let me give you a little background. Uh, Viking was originally... Um, a line produced by Bjarne Nielsen. Um, he um, was very familiar uh, to fans of Danish pipes. Um, started out working in the uh, uh, for the Danish government, um, working with uh, people looking for Danish products to buy uh, at wholesale. And uh, pipes became huge uh, in the 60s and 70s. Uh, American uh, companies wanted Danish pipes, especially freehands. And they approached um, him to find manufacturers. And basically it got to a point where the the Danish pipe makers uh, couldn't keep up with the demand for uh, freehand pipes. So one time he was asked about um, freehands and he had done, made some pipes um, as a hobby. And he thought, you know what, if there are that many people out there that want these pipes and there aren't any companies available, um, to, to make pipes for them, you know what, maybe I'll give it a try myself. Um, so that's, you know, that's where, where, uh, he started. And after he made all these free hands, he wanted some regular lines of pipes, pipes that were all the same shape. And so, he called them Bjarne Vikings. 
And then uh, when he passed, a, um, a distributor uh, took it over and, um, and continued to have the Viking pipes made, uh, but stopped making freehands. Um, and then um, when that, uh, that broker uh, passed, um, his family did not want to keep the business going, um, but he was an important supplier for us. So we purchased um, the, the rights to um, Viking, and we also um, got his contacts with the factories who are already making Viking pipes. So we could ask them to continue making those lines. And then we could also work with them to create new lines of Viking pipes, like this year's Viking Christmas pipe. One of the things in Viking um, that was popular because that was the only brand I knew of that consistently made these was that there were a lot of Viking church wardens that were full-size bowls. And, and, you know, from a physics viewpoint, a smaller bowl on a church warden makes sense. And the reason is that the longer you make a pipe, uh, the more leverage the the bowl puts on the pipe. So you've got a longer pipe with a regular bowl, you put it in your mouth and it pulls down kind of hard. Um, so they may, they, they typically make um, church wardens with smaller bowls. What, um, but the way Bjarna looked at it was, you probably aren't going to clench a church warden. You're going to hold it in your hand. So if that's the case, who cares if the the bowl's a little on the heavier side uh, because you're not hanging it out of your mouth. And we realized that that's something that's missing. So starting uh, next year, uh, we will be reintroducing a line of church wardens uh, under the Viking brand that will have full-size bowls. So if you like a regular-sized pipe, uh, as far as the bowl and chamber goes, uh, but you like church wardens, you're going to be thrilled. Um, they're going to come in four shapes, and these are good-sized bowls. We're not talking about even your average size. They're slightly larger than average. And so for um, people who like church wardens but would like a bigger bowl, bigger chamber, uh, keep your eye out going into the new year when we introduce um, the new Viking uh, church wardens. There's also going to be a regular size church warden uh, in the lineup, but there will be these uh, larger bold church wardens. 
So anyway, that's enough about that. Um, and um, and Charles says, uh, it's a John Bull English considered in English or an aromatic English. It's very good, especially for the price. He's curious. Well, there are three... Um, there are three John Bull English tobaccos now. The uh, the original um, would actually be considered um, an American English, again, using those terms, um, because it did contain some burley. Uh, then there's the uh, true English, which is what we typically think of as an English, Latakia with Virginia's and a bit of Orientals, um, but, but Virginia's are definitely the secondary note. And then there's the fragrant English. The fragrant English is an aromatic English. Um, it is a Latakia, Virginia blend. Uh, but it does have a significant top note. Uh, so um, of the three, the the one that is the most accurately described as an English is the true English. Then you have um, the, the original uh, John Bull uh, English tobacco, which is an American English, and then you have an aromatic. Uh, David says those Viking church wardens sound right up his street, and that's uh, that's really uh, good to hear, David. Uh, I think I think you'll enjoy them. They're hefty. They they have a nice feel in the hand. I have a few of them. The samples sitting on my desk right now, and uh, I I definitely can see, especially when the weather's warmer going outside, sitting in a comfortable chair, putting my feet up, and uh, enjoying a nice long smoke in one of the, uh, the new Vikings. So anyway, uh, that, that covered quite a bit. Um, and we have a, a, a lot more to talk about um, going forward. Um, we're doing more videos. They'll be coming out. Um, some of them will be embedded on our website. Some of them you will only see on our Facebook and Instagram accounts. Um, but we are doing more of those because we found that they're popular with you. And, uh, and, uh, Next year is going to see a raft of really, really neat uh, products coming out. So um, I'm looking forward to 2023 uh, with a lot of anticipation, and I'm having a lot of fun working on these projects. So anyway, I uh, enjoy the rest of the week. I thank you for tuning in. For those of you who tune in delayed. Uh, watch this throughout the rest of the week. If you have a comment or a question, please drop it into the comments and I will see it. I get notifications throughout the week. 
and um, if it's something that uh, requires a response, I will definitely reply to you. So um, please do that. And uh, for those of you who um, uh, who find it hard to take the time to look at this on Facebook um, or or you know even tuning in later on in the week is, is more difficult. Uh, we have a solution for you now because our social media folks have um, stripped out the audio version of uh, Facebook Live and uh, assembled it as a podcast, which is now available on Spotify. On Spotify, it's just um, referred to as PNC's Talking Tobacco um, versus PNC's Talking Tobacco Live with Russ, which is for the Facebook Live only. Um, but and now it's available as a podcast. And a lot of today's cars uh, have Spotify on their audio systems. So you can pull it up right on your car radio. Uh, or uh, a lot of them allow you to pair your phones to your radio. And so you can uh, take your smartphone, pull up Spotify, uh, pair your your phone to your radio, and you can listen while you're driving. Uh, so um, if you like this and you can't get to watch it all the time, uh, there's another option for you to not miss out on the discussion. Anyway, that wraps it up for this week. I'm Russ Willett from PipesandCigars.com. Thanks for watching.